Now, we were reading uh, in the Bible uh, this morning, uh, and we ended uh, with this statement about the disciples, those who had come to know and love the Lord. And we read, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called, and what's the next word? Yes, you're allowed to call out. Christians. Thank you very much. Now, you young people, this probably didn't interest you one bit. But as adults, we were listening because a report was given just this week about a census that we grown-ups had to fill in a big long form saying, we live here with my wife or whoever it is and we, uh, we are working or we're not working. And, uh, and then there's a section where we're invited to say if we've got any religious faith. And a lot of people answered it. In fact, in England and Wales, 56 million people told us about their religion. Now, don't try and count uh, that number, because it's so big, isn't it? 56 million people uh, were asked, and they responded. So, for the first time... Less than half of our population in England and Wales, because that's where they counted all the people, less than half said that they are Christians. Now, I'm surprised, not that the number was less than the last time they counted, I was surprised to think that in England and Wales there are 27 and a half million people who think they're Christians. And that troubles me because if there are 27 and a half million people in England and Wales who are Christians, ought not every church building in the land be full on Sunday and bursting at the seams? Where are they all? They say they're Christians, but do they go to church? Do they pray? Do they read their Bibles? Are they interested in the Lord's Day and having fellowship? I'm left wondering. So we need to ask ourselves a very, very important question. We need to ask ourselves, what or who is a Christian? Uh, And I've got some I've got some pictures, young people, all right? So, do you think he's a Christian? No. You don't think so? No. He looks like a robot. He looks, he does, doesn't he? Yeah. He looks like, um, um, he looks like if he's caught in prison. Yeah, he looks as if he deserves to go to prison, doesn't he? Yes, he's masked. Okay, do you think he's a sinner? Yes. Yes. We're all agreed. He's a sinner. 
Okay, but what of you? He, you're a theologian, mister. Hang on. (laughs) Now, do you believe that? A Christian is a sinner. Now, to see that man, some people think, ooh, I'm not like that. (laughs) And therefore, they conclude, I'm not a sinner. But clearly, the Bible teaches that we are sinners. How do I know that? Well, listen to what the Bible says. All have sinned. That's Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Listen to what the Apostle John said when he was writing his first letter, chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. So don't be deceived today. A Christian is a sinner. And that is the starting point. Now, another question that we might ask ourselves is, well, what is sin? Well, there's a little book called a catechism. And it's questions and answers. And a young person's catechism asks the question, what is sin? And it has this answer. Sin is either neglecting to do what God requires or doing what God forbids. So it works two ways. So if you don't do what God requires, that's a sin. But if, on the other hand, you do something that God forbids, that's a sin. And we've all done what we shouldn't have done. And we've all failed to do what we should have done. Because we are born as sinners. There was a man who studied the words in the Bible called Alexander Cruden. And before the age of mobile phones and WhatsApp and and computer technology, he wrote a lovely, helpful study book that us who are preachers used to use a lot. It's called a concordance. It tells you where different words are to be found in the Bible. And uh, Mr Cruden put this definition at the heading sin in his list of all the Bible verses. He said, sin is any thought, word, action, omission or desire, contrary, that means going against, God's God's law. The Apostle John put it even simpler. He said, sin is lawlessness. So when we ignore God's laws and requirements, that is going to lead to sin. And we are all sadly guilty of that. Now, if you think perhaps that you can do things to make yourself better so that you don't just 
don't do horrible things like this man is planning to do. Just remember, this is what God says about our righteousness. He says, all our righteousness, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now that's the words recorded by Isaiah in chapter 64 and verse 6. And what Isaiah had in mind, perhaps you have never seen. Perhaps. But what Isaiah had in mind was strips of cloth that would have been used to wrap round the horrible, smelly, weeping ulcers of someone who had leprosy. And they wouldn't have lovely, fresh, clean dressings and bandages like they do in this country, in other parts of the world as well. They would have had to have washed those bandages and all stained from the discharge from the wound. I hope I'm not putting you off your lunch. But... uh, They were horrible. Really, really horrible. So when God says through his prophet Isaiah, all your righteousness, if you think you're better than this man, just remember, all your righteousness, all my righteousness, is like the stinking, putrefied strips of linen that once bound perhaps the hands or feet of someone that was leprous. So please remember that a Christian is a sinner and we need to acknowledge our sin. All too often people have thought that they were right in God's sight simply because they didn't rob people's houses or hadn't robbed a bank. But we've all disobeyed God in some shape or form. A Christian is a sinner. And that's the first step of becoming a sinner, a, a, a Christian. You need to admit, yes, I've sinned. I've done wrong. Well, that's the bad news. Now, what do you think of this young lady? Does she look like a sinner? Not no. No doesn't look like it, but I assure you she is because, remember what we said, all have sinned. Simple as that. So, for our second heading, we need to remember a Christian is a... Can you read the word? Thank you. Christian is a saint. Now, how does someone like that turn into someone like that. Not a man into a woman, no. A sinner. How does a sinner turn into a saint? We've got too many wrong transformations in this world. But this is a transformation that God performs in our hearts. He turns the sinner into a saint. Now, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the word Christian because I really don't, sorry, I sound very judgmental, but I'm really struggling with that two and a half million people who claimed in the census that they were Christians. 
I'd like to speak to each one individually and say, how do you know? Have you been transformed by the power of God? Has God's grace worked a miracle in your heart that you who were once a terrible sinner and the Apostle Paul, remember he described himself as the chief of sinners. I have a dispute with Paul when I get to heaven. I say, no, it wasn't you, Paul, it was me. I was far worse than you. At least I think I was. But there was a transformation in my heart. There was a transformation in Saul of Tarsus's heart that made turn that sinner into a saint. Now, it didn't mean that he would never sin again because he was now a saint, because he had come to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved and transformed by the wonderful power of God. He's still prone to sin. He's still going to have to say, forgive me, Lord, for things that he had done wrong. But a transformation had taken place. Now, if you listen to some religious leaders, and when they're talking about a saint, they don't have a living person in mind. What they have in mind is someone who, who was very religious, who perhaps um, it's claimed that they even performed a miracle, and then they died, and uh, a, some big important person who lives in Rome decided that, uh, oh, we will now make them a saint. And people are even encouraged to pray to the saint. How wrong! How terribly wrong! Wrong that we should pray to a saint, but wrong also to think in terms that someone can make, a human being can make someone who's a sinner into a saint. They can't do it. We need to be born again. We need to be transformed by God. We need to be turned from being a sinner into a saint. A Christian is a... A Christian is a well done. Now, a Christian is a child, yeah, but a child who has a special relationship with someone is called, in this case, because he's a boy, he is a word begins with S. S O N. Now we've had sinner. We've had saint. Son. Got there eventually. Yeah. Are you a son? Yes. Where's your daddy? See? You say hello to him for me. We missed him this morning. Yeah? Thank you. I've got three daughters. So I haven't got any sons. But I've got seven grandsons. That's nice, isn't it? But you know, one day I was standing in a Christian bookshop. This was in Enfield in Middlesex, quite a long way away. And uh, 
there was a little child tugging my trousers. And I thought, oh dear, I don't want to frighten this little child. But uh, they continued to tug my trousers. So hard I was thinking, I hope they stay up. And then they not only tugged my trousers, but they said, Daddy! And they repeated it. Tuck, tuck, tuck. Daddy! And eventually, I had to look down at the little child and I had to say this. I'm not your daddy. (laughs) The child went, screamed her head off. She was so frightened when she learned She'd made a mistake. She thought I was her father. I wonder if you're making a mistake like that today. You see, as I pointed out, (laughs) I just can't get over this number. 27.5 million people think God is their father. They said so on a census. But is he? Yes, God is their creator. And in that sense, he is their father. Because we're all created in the image of God. But when the Bible talks about us in being in a, rel- a right relationship with God, and therefore his children and being sons of God, and that includes boys and girls, men and women who have repented and trusted the Saviour, it means there is a very special relationship that other people don't have. There was one occasion when the Lord Jesus Christ said to some very religious people who no no doubt said their prayers, went to a place of worship, read the scriptures as they had the Old Testament in those days. He said these terrifying words, you are of your father, the devil. So don't call God your father unless you are truly a member of his family. How do you become a member of a family? Well, you're born into that family, aren't you? Or perhaps you are adopted into that family. Two ways. And those two ways are recorded in the scripture as being adopted and being born into a family to illustrate the fact that as a Christian, you are a son. We can rightfully call God our Father. Paul, writing in Romans Chapter 8, verse 15 and 16 says, You did not receive the spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So, 
When we're converted, when we're born again, when we repent and believe on the Lord, a wonderful transformation takes place. We're still sinners, but now we've become saints. And not only that, we become sons of God, children of God. We're in a right relationship with him. And we cry with the Holy Spirit's prompting, Abba, Father. That word Abba is an Aramaic word. And it means my dear father. In English we sometimes say daddy. And father is the Greek title which is used by a child of a parent to show honour and respect. So God is our father and we are brought into a right relationship with him. Now, do you recognise this animal? What's that? I like to eat one on Christmas Day. Yes? Sheep. Yeah, as a sheep. Thank you. Yeah. And did you know, I'm not insulting you, calling you the name of an animal, but did, did you know that a Christian is a sheep? And if you are a Christian, you have a good shepherd. He's called Jesus. Jesus Christ the Lord. And he loved his sheep. And he died for his sheep. He died for all who believe in him. So that you don't have to suffer God's awful wrath and terrible judgment in a place called hell. But you can go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. But only if you are one of his sheep. Now, Isaiah says this, Isaiah 53 verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. There was a, a man who had some sheep and... Uh, he said to a visitor to the farm, he said, I love my sheep, but you know, they're so daft. He said, watch this. So he put a stick across the doorway of the pen where the sheep were. And then he shooed them out. And the first one jumped over the stick. And then he took the stick away. And because the first one jumped over the stick, the other one came along and he jumped. But there was no stick there. And then they all did the same. Kept jumping. Why? They were following another stupid sheep who'd done that before them. All we are like sheep. We've gone astray. We're more inclined to follow the example of people we see rather than listen to the Lord who we can't see. That's sad, isn't it? So what is a Christian? He is a, a sheep. And uh, that is a wonderful relationship because it means the Lord Jesus Christ is our good shepherd. 
and he will guide us and help us and protect us and watch over us. Praise his name. So, quick revision. A Christian is a... Thank you. A Christian is a... Well done. A Christian is a... Well done. A Christian is a... Right, now you're going to almost run out of fingers on one hand to remember this lot because there's six of them all together. But we're moving on. What about this one? Who's that? Sinner. Well, yeah, because we're all sinners. I told you, that's the idea. Yeah. Now, do you think a Christian is a soldier? Ah, well, that's, we call that cheating. <laughs> uh, evidence that you are a sinner. Like, 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 just like me. Yeah. Yeah. Soldier. Yeah. Okay. A Christian is, is a soldier. Some people fight against Christians. Because they're in the wrong army. They're in Satan's army instead of the Lord's army. But a Christian is a soldier. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to a local church in a city called Ephesus, he's told the Christians, the believers, the disciples that they needed to put on the whole armour of God to make a stand for the Lord. And he makes it quite clear in his letters, the Christian life is a battle. I'm so thankful that the man who shared the gospel with me when I was 19 years old warned me and said, Graham, if you are converted and you become a Christian, be assured of this. You think you've got problems now, but you'll have even more problems. You will be in a battle. There's a fight to be fought. There's a war to be won. Our captain is the Lord Jesus Christ. But we are in a spiritual warfare. Paul's exaltation to a young pastor called Timothy was simply this. Endure hardship. And be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3. So my, my question is, not only are you a Christian... But are you a good Christian soldier? Are you ready to stand up for the Lord? Now, please remember that you've got a battle on your hands. And you probably don't need me to remind you that we're fighting a battle on three th fronts. If there's one thing an army general does not want is fighting on different front lines. If you can just have one where you know the enemy's there and fight with him, then you stand a better chance. 
But if he's got two different places he can attack you from, oh, look out. But if he's got three, wow, you know you've got a war on your hands. We're fighting against the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world at large outsiders are all the people who are unconverted and hostile to the gospel who don't want to get that Christmas track in their hand or receive an invitation to come to a church service. They just don't want it. They're they're content with their worldly lifestyle and have no interest in heaven or eternity or the need to escape eternal judgment in hell. They've got no concern. And we're doing battle with the world. But then there's the flesh. That's our mortal bodies. Because even if we are Christians, we are still mortal, frail creatures. We can sin. We can fail. We can get fearful on the battlefield. And perhaps even be tempted to run away for a while before we come to our senses and then come back again to stand up for Jesus. There is a battle going on daily, without fail. We've got to ask for God's help, God's strength to be able to fight those battles. You can't do it on your own. You need the King of Kings to be fighting with you and for you. And then, of course, there's the devil. Now, some people find a demon behind every lamppost. They're so frightened of the devil. But we needn't be if we are Christians. Yes, he's a fearful foe, but we have an almighty God. He is eternal. He is uncreated. He is omnipresent. He is present everywhere. Unlike the devil, he is limited as to what he can do, where he can go and all the rest of it. In fact, the Bible encourages us, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He really is a coward at heart. (laughs) But it's a battle to be fought. Please, will you remember that as Christians? And will you please remember this if you're a church member. You're not to fight civil wars. You know what a civil war is? It's when people from the same country start fighting with each other. Now there was a civil war in America. The North were fighting against the South. And Billy Graham says, tells a, a fictionist story, granted, but he tells a story of one person who couldn't decide whether he would be fighting on the side of the North or the South. So what did he do? He put on a dark blue uniform for the North and light blue trousers for the South. And he thought he'd be all right because he wasn't one side or the other. Do you know what happened? Both sides shot at him. That is a ridiculous position to take up. Are you for the Lord or are you against him? Are you going to stand up for Jesus this week as you go out into a materialistic world that celebrates Christmas without Christ? 
and proclaim the gospel to such people? Are you going to be a real soldier for Jesus Christ, depending on him for power and strength to be able to share that wonderful good news? Will you stop sitting on the fence, trying to dress up in dark blue and light blue, but make a firm stand for Jesus Christ and say, by God's grace, I'm for Jesus. All for Jesus, all for Jesus. All that that would be a song in our hearts. So, a Christian is a soldier. No, not a butler. Not a waiter. An S word. Do we need an adult to help you out? Servant. Yeah, he's a servant. Are you a Christian today? You're a servant. Even if you're the pastor. Especially if you're the pastor. Because you are a minister. What's the word minister but to serve others? So if you're a Christian, you are a servant. Now, the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul, got that? What does he call himself? Romans 1 verse 1, a servant. The Apostle Peter, what does he call himself? 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1, a servant. James, the brother of our Lord, James chapter 1 verse 1, what does he call himself? You're ahead of me. Well done. Jude, writing that little letter in the New Testament. Verse 1. What does he call himself? A, you should know by now, (laughs) servant. The Apostle John, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. What does he call himself? What is a Christian? A servant. And you know, the greatest example was given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is called a servant in Philippians and chapter 2, verse 7. And what's the life of a servant but submission and service? The two go together. So the servant doesn't tell his master, I haven't got any time to serve you. I'm too busy doing other things. He submits to his master's authority. And he serves his master. Not simply because he has to. Or he gets paid well to do it. Because he wants to. Because he's so in love with his master that you just want to do anything and everything to the best of your ability to the one who has given his all for you. We thought about the question, what is a Christian? See if you can remember the words that we used. A Christian is a... Let's say it together, shall we? We've got a lead, a lead young person. Let's say it together, shall we? A Christian is a... Right. A Christian is a... Thank you. 
A Christian is a... Oh, you're doing well now. A Christian is a... I can't get the cards over big quick enough. And a Christian is finally... You've done so well. If you can still remember that week, you deserve a gold star. Well, let's take the message to heart, shall we? Don't be part of that enormous 27 and a half thousand, a million people who describe themselves as a Christian. Be one for real. Be one for real. And if you need more help to understand what must I do to follow Christ? What must I do to be a Christian? Then I'm here for the few more hours because I'd like some lunch. But pastors here week after week after week. So please speak to him if you need help. God bless you.